0: Welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas. We're so glad you joined us today as Pastor Aaron Williams shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, the vision is to first and foremost build the church on the solid rock truth of Jesus Christ. Second, to see people saved and set free by accepting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and then following Him in Believer's Baptism. Third, we want to develop fully committed disciples of Christ who will grow spiritually in their faith and worship Him in spirit and in truth. And finally, to send an army of believers into the world as missionaries, sharing the gospel with those who don't know the Lord. Jesus is the rock that won't move. His word is strong and powerful, and His love can never be undone. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron.
1: Amen. If you have your Bible, if you would please open to John chapter 17 verse 20. This chapter is known as the priestly Prayer of Christ. I have always referred, and many others, to it as the actual Lord's Prayer. In Luke chapter 11, we're taught the Lord's Prayer that we know fundamentally as Luke 11.1, our Father who art in heaven. And I'm not saying this to dispute that is a wonderful prayer, but he was teaching his disciples to pray there. In John chapter 17, you have Jesus lifting his eyes to heaven. He prays this chapter, and it is just tremendous. It's an astounding uh, text of Scripture that should always be remembered before Christ went to the cross. And as we begin reading in verse 20, of chapter 17, he says in the midst of this prayer, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So he's praying for his disciples, and he's praying also for those who will believe that receive the word of God ministered because of his disciples. So he's actually praying here for you. Verse 21, that they all may be one, as you, Father, art in me, and I am in you, that they also may be one in us. So he's saying, Jesus, I want all of them who believe now and will believe in the future to be one with us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them and... do you know, look here what he says. The glory which you gave me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. It's amazing when we look in this, There number three verses, that's going to be my text for this morning. This is the priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. This is him praying. I mean, there are incredible riches and there are literally, I believe a year's worth of ministry here If we were going to break this chapter down, I believe you could preach a year's worth of sermons from this one chapter. It's that rich. And I want to unpack part of this sermon, and I'm going to use probably an analogy that uh, I'm not terribly comfortable with. I'm going to use a football analogy today. And I'm not a sports person to a great degree, so I'm going to limp my way through. But I had some great conversation this week, and the Lord just kept kind of moving me toward using this analogy. And and Jesus is praying for us to have this glorious thing that he knows to be true with the Father. And, And he says here, what is this glorious thing? That they could actually be one in the earth, just like we're one, Lord. So if I just get this really simple, this part of the prayer, he's just saying, Lord, this glory makes us one. And this glorious thing, I mean, if I ask somebody, what does it mean to be a believer to you, and what's the fruit of your life, or what do you exhibit? I think there's a lot that could be said there, but one thing I want to bring to our attention is that the glorious thing God does with believers is He will make them one. And in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to see a congregation that is totally one. One in many ways, one in prayer one in their study, one in their discipline of of being affectionate toward those who are hurting in the body. If someone hurts, they all should hurt. If somebody rejoices because they received the answered prayer and I've been ministering on prayer for a few weeks and some of you, many of you, I believe all of you are praying in secret now, and that we're getting more disciplined all the time to ask God for some things in secret so that when he does it, he, we know he's rewarded us openly. And this allows the whole body as one to rejoice with them. And no matter where you are in your life right now, as you sit in this pew or you hear by radio broadcast or podcast, however it may be, that you do not have a circumstance that is, is too hard for God. You do not have a circumstance, no matter how divided it may look. And this can be divided in the home. It can be divided on the front with your work. It can be divided in just not knowing what direction you're really going. Today, I believe the Lord, the glorious thing that God wants to teach us is that we can be one, as he was one in the Father. And this place of being one in the body of Christ, first with him and then with his body, as in that expression, is the happiest place you will ever be in your entire life, is to learn. That God brings together what is broken. This is a natural way He ministers. He understands years ago where you would be today. No matter what circumstance you're facing, He knows what you're dealing with. He knows how to lead you and give you the beacon of truth as light in your life to lead you out. So, if you may, uh, if you would and, and would allow me, I'd like to just stir you up for a minute on being one. And so, I'm going to use this football analogy, and all of us have at least seen some football games. Some of you maybe played football and you Understand the game better than I do, so I want to stir you up as I start here. I want to challenge you. Uh, I took some of these notes, the early notes from Thomas Rainer. He's a great studier uh, of numbers, especially on behalf of the Southern Baptist. Uh, but th- this would work. It's not just because he's Southern Baptist, but he's a tr- tremendous man who studies a great deal. And I want to use some of his notes. Out of eleven things he found, I'm only going to do a lesser amount than that. But eleven things he found that were the contrast between a fan of football and a Christian at church. And here's uh, one that he. Started with. A fan just loves to win. Have you ever seen anybody that went to their team, their game? I mean, and man, I've heard them here at church. I mean, they, you know, one's for KU, one's for K-State, One's for, you know, and I won't get into all that. You might be for Riverton, some for Girard, and I mean, they have played some great games recently. But the truth is, you want your team to win, don't you? I mean, I want my team to win. If I'm going to pick one, you kind of invest yourself in that. But can I ask you, the, the contrast for the believer, are we winning anybody to Christ? Is it easier at times to, to maybe be able to pick someone up to go to your, uh, your football game, the, 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 the team that you're behind, Is it easy? Do you find it's easier at times to to get someone to go there than it is to bring them to church with you? Wow, what a great, I think it's a challenge. The second one if that game gets overwhelmingly exciting, your favorite team, I mean, it's tied up, you're going into extra innings or whatever it may be, everyone's excited. Do you know what happens if I go too far past 12? <laughs> Everyone gets really excited. I mean, it gets like, yeah, we're gonna see what's gonna happen, right? Okay, you with me? I call it clock-eyed. Hey, I'm gonna have some fun with you today, church. We we have come through some teaching, I believe, that has been a very base. And today, it's just it's kind of fun for me as a pastor. I'm gonna teach this, and I believe have some fun with you. We're also headed in some teaching that's that's. Uh, also, very humbling knowing that we are facing Resurrection Day, and I'll be dealing with death, burial, and resurrection. But today, what I mean, I've seen people get clock eyed on me a little bit after 12, and that's where you start looking at your watch and thinking about where you're gonna eat lunch. You know, that happens. Number three, they are loyal to that team, no matter if they're, I mean, if they've really invested themselves for years, maybe you went to college. Or high school at this particular university or high school and you are loyal to this team. I mean it doesn't matter if they're winning you just got like the signs in your yard You've got the little, uh, the little things that you put in your window, and it's waving a flag. You know what I mean? Huh? I mean, Malachi and I went a few years ago, and we love this. We, we decided we would follow that year. I said, bud, let's just, let's just follow Pitt State University all year, no matter what. We started out in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and we ended up going to the national championship. I mean, it was, hey, we're standing up yelling, and are you with me? I mean, and as we were going, there was like those flags and they're flopping in the wind. It's like Pitt State. And, you know, their car's in front of us. And now I know they're a Pitt State fan. So I'm wanting to honk the horn. "Ah, ah, ah." You know, I'm honking the horn, you know, high fiving them out the window. You know, like, yeah, we're going to get the job done here. You know what I'm saying? That's what happens. I mean, we were invested. We went all year. Now it's a national change. And it didn't matter if they're going to win or lose. We're going. That's our team. But the sad contrast is in many churches today, if your team, you don't think that they're doing well, they'll just leave you. And you don't get to have the little flag. You don't kind of, ooh, it brings, I think all of us can identify. Hey, they are easily recognized by their sportswear. I mean, do you ever walk into your inline? And you know for sure this person's on your team because they've got like the big, you know, everything. It's it's overboard. You know what I'm talking about? The hat. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's like the... You know what I mean? I mean, you would not wear this anywhere else but this game. Are you with me? I mean, it's something that's just spectacular. You can't miss it, and it's like the logo, or it's the name of the team, the boots, the, the, or, or no shirt at all. And there's like paint on the front and the back, and they're, I'm thinking, you got to be cold. You know what I mean? They don't care if they're cold. This is their team. I mean, they're one with their team. Can I ask you a question? At times, do people know we're a Christian? Is it so unmistakable that like, I know you're not walking around without your shirt on, and I know you're not painting Jesus on your back in paint, but I think this is a great contrast. Do they know when you go to work, like, whoa, this is a Christian. I mean, by the way you talk, you act, you treat your family I mean, you serve, you put boundaries. Do they know it? Do they know it by what you wear? I mean, at the game, the, the big hat and the ah, and the guy, he's out and on the front row. Now, we're still trying to fill this front row because I spit a lot when I preach, so it's harder to do. But you know the team player that's got like all this on. But do they know, man, this is power. Do they know we're Christian by how we dress? And I'm not saying you have to dress a certain way to be Christian, but there is a modesty in Christianity that teaches us our values more than just the way we look externally. Is this a contrast to the sports of our day? Wow. I'll tell you another thing, when you love your team, you read about them every day. Read like how they doing, they got a new coach. The team's practicing. Uh, They're doing, uh, man, this gonna be a spectacular season on the radio. They're going to have this many games this year. Are you with me? We're going to bring in someone else into our league. But how much as Christians are we reading the Bible in the team we're on? God wants to make us one. The weather doesn't matter. When you're loyal to your team, I mean Malachi and I, the year that Pitt State was going to the national championship, we had an umbrella and there was these wetsuits in the rain and they're like getting ready for, and, and we're not going, Geez, I wish this service would get over. We was going like, yeah, you know. Hey, you all know that's right. You've been at these games, you've witnessed them, you've seen them, but... But where are we? Because when Jesus, before He gives the the Great Commission, there's only like 11 disciples out of 12 left. One had totally betrayed Him. And it takes 11 men to play football. And there's only 11 disciples. And they weren't looking that strong. I think it's a great parallel, and that's why it really started to stir me today. And kind of the pastor's like the quarterback, I mean, in some ways you're praying and you're calling the plays and you're casting the vision and you need an offensive line. I mean, you have offensive linemen. You have, I believe the deacons and leadership serve as the offensive line and you get in rooms for meetings and you discuss the new play that God's born and the whole objective is to let the the pastor or the, the quarterback get the ball, which is the Word of God, into the hands of some of your offensive player which are ministries in the church today. I mean, we are feeding people today. There's, are you with me? There's people serving in their capacity all over the church. It's absolutely on on the move. But but am I able to get like to the, equip them with the Word of God? Where when they run long distances, some of these new young teachers are like wide receivers. And my focus is long enough. I want to get them the Word of God in the ball where it needs to be. But man, I've got to watch out for this offensive line. Because there's a defense. There's a defense you have in the church. And Jesus said, I want to make you one. You're going to have some offensive players and some defensive players, but I want to make you one. I want to make you one team so you practice. Practice is prayer. Practice is when we come together and we get on our knees and we understand the vision God's giving to us as a body because our vision is one. One faith, one Lord, and one baptism, one people moving one direction for one Christ because of one resurrection, one power, one truth, one Lord. Everything is one in Him, and the glory of God is to make us one so that somebody can get the job done and get the victory. And Jesus said, all of us are going to have a different position. I know what mine is, but I know if you're going to be the quarterback or the pastor of a church, oh, they may write about you when you do well, but if you don't do well, you're blamed. That's just part of being the quarterback. What I love is I'm right-handed, and so a right-handed quarterback is blind to his left side. And man, I thought when I first started pastoring, that everybody was offensive line and would defend you. Now, am I gonna get too real for you here? Now I've got a chairman of deacons today, and it doesn't matter what your age is, this brother knows how to protect my blind side. And how he does this is he calls me. And he said, I want you to be aware of this, and I want you to be encouraged, Pastor. Pastor, this is what the word of God says. And it doesn't matter your age on this team. This is an offensive lineman in the left, the left tackle's position that when I turn like this to throw the ball, I can't get taken out. I thought everyone on the offensive line in the early days was going to protect. I didn't know that some were going to go have another meeting and another practice on me. And that the hole would be opened up intentionally and I'd get totally wiped out on the ground. Wondering why I couldn't get the ball in the hands of a wide receiver that said, I'm open, pastor. I'm open. This is the reality of Christianity. And when Jesus praised this priestly prayer, he said the most glorious thing you can do is make this team, this people in church, one church, one people, at all times with one objective, and that is, we're going to win through the victory of Jesus Christ. I think as you begin to line up, and before you say, break, like we do breaking the bread as we take the Lord's Supper, you've had to have prayed together, practiced together, understood the vision and the play and how we get this team from here to the goal line. You understand that there are uprights where you're headed. And on that day at Golgotha's Hill, there were two on one side and one in the center, and this was one man bringing a world full of pain all together as one in the love of God. And he can show us how to win, not only our own personal lives and the battles we face, but he can show us how to win as a church. It's going to require us to practice together, to stay together. It's going to require defensively, I believe, in a position for the offensive line to understand at all costs we have to be defending what God wants to do. We have to understand what the play is. Why do we do what we're doing? Why is this play different than we used to throw? Why is this quarterback calling different plays? It's because the adversary understands some of the old plays and knows how to read it. He knows how to defend against it. And so at times, God begins to give quarterbacks or pastors on their knees a brand new play so they can get around the tactics of the adversary used to use to stop the church. And when, Jesus. Jesus Christ turns around and looks at Peter. He said, who do they say I am? They Some say you're Elias. Some say you're John the Baptist. Who do you say I am, Peter? I say, Lord, that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, yeah? I'm going to build my church on this. And this is how God wins the game. This is how he wins the victory in our lives. We're all going to be praying, Lord, what's my position for your church? What will allow me to bring the body together in a way that it's so one, that it's a demonstration and an example for the world? In love. I mean, man, you've got people cheering at times. Do you realize we are in a battle? This life is full of battles. It's for real. And it's for your life and for the fathers here. You are defending your home spiritually and naturally. Pastors and leaders, we are defending the work of God and the heritage of the Lord for future generations. This is not about us only. In your life, who is your protector? Man, this is... But man there were 11 on the field. There's 11 that he gives a great commission to. And they all understood the truth of the word of God and the vision that he set and was crucified for in the world was the reason they were brought to light and that they needed to defend at all cost. Do we do we are we defending the play? Do we understand the play? Are we willing to make sacrifices in prayer, and as we come together to understand where we're going. Wow. It's silence. If we understand the play really well, we've spent time in prayer, you're able to march every person into their rightful position. And I thank God that what once was I believe a broken offensive line. Today, God has sent some really big, big, spectacular linemen. And this is not because of the size of the person, but because of the humility of the heart. In the ability to bow and say, this work is not only for God's house, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to defend his truth. We're going to pray together so we stay together. We're going to practice together so we can play with an objective in mind. We also, Lord, know that through you we have received the victory by our faith. That in our faith of this that we're in the midst of now, not as a church, in the world. Can I say on the church's behalf, I've never seen a time it's more fruitful I've never seen more people getting plugged in, more conducive for growth, more fruit in your lives, more going on that I absolutely believe and can see far enough, persuaded by what I see afar off of great things God will do. And in the months and months ahead, you should mark your spot because you have trouble finding a seat. And this is because of the God of heaven who knows how to win the game, not only for a church, but for people's lives who are outside the walls, absolutely broken today. Their marriages are broke down. We're making excuses for our own decisions. And what we think the Word of God says we're making excuses for all the social agendas of the day in politics. My hope's not in politics. It's not in the agendas. My hope is on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God, the one we will defend and declare, and this is why we are a church today. It's because Jesus Christ died with His own blood to get on a cross somewhere so He could absolutely ask for the glory of heaven to bring us together as one to not only see what He's doing here, but to see what He's doing for eternity. I mean, are we getting a grip of that in our life? This will raise us above depression. It will raise us above our own confusion. This will stand us up in our homes, stand us up in the church. I'm going to put out a challenge. I ask for every person who's here today as a member of this church, I want to see you win somebody to this game next week. I'm really serious about that. Share your faith with somebody this week. Do you know why they come with you to church? Because you invite them. You know what? When you get all excited about your football team that's winning and you show them the enthusiasm, God, ignite the enthusiasm in our hearts through prayer. Allow us to see not only for the church's future, but for our future individually. And some of you at the end of this, as I give an invitation, are going to want to come to the front and say, I've been deceived by the adversary. I'm not believing the truth. There's total division in my life. And can I say to you that God wants to bring you together as one and the place of one with God will give you the peace of God. You don't get the peace of God without the peace with God. And we might as well tell the world, and no sense in making a salesman out of the preacher today. The truth of it is, when we get on our knees and humble ourselves before the Father and say, God, I need peace with you. I need to first be right with you, and then give me the peace that you give that the world doesn't understand or comprehend. My challenge is to the fathers, to the husbands who are here in the congregation, as I've talked about the 11 who defend the quarterback. I'm sorry, not all those defend the quarterback, but that offensive line that defends the quarterback. Every man here who is a husband is a defender of his home. And I'm asking you to not let your family be blindsided. I know some of you say you're pointing me out. No, I have multiples of situations that are hearing the sound of my voice today. I ask you to humble yourself before God and receive what he has for you, and that's to make your family one. The devil come to steal, kill, destroy, divide, and conquer everything that he could. God came to make you whole as a family and as a church and as a people in this world. Everything in this world is going to try to divide what God has put together. We never had peace without peace with him. He now gives us peace. We're not going to have peace in going against the word of God. We can't take our oath and ask for God's blessing and then begin as fathers to do what God is against. We cannot. It will never work. You can search the world, round the world, fly on a plane, cross five to 8,000 miles on your knees. You'll never find the peace with God or, with, or of God until you get the peace of God getting right with Him. Make no excuse for what the Bible said. It showed us how to be fathers, how to be husbands, how to be pastors, and how to be deacons, how to be leaders, and how to be disciples, how to go to the gravesite with hope, how to go there and declare the gospel, the life for the world. I mean, He said, you're the salt of the earth. But if you lose your saltiness you're not good for anything what good's a team that can't hear the play of a quarterback what good's a team that the offensive line won't keep him from getting wiped out what good's the team if the wide receiver don't run and the team's no good if they don't understand the play and the vision of the Lord and then get it into the end zone where the upright of Christ is at on Golgotha's hill and win the victory by your faith in Jesus Christ see, this victory has already been won. The victory has already been won. We get the opportunity of reading the truth and believing it. And this is why the great leader of the Old Testament said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What fights against us doing that? Really getting on the team. Really understanding the play really spending the time in prayer for God's church. I believe some simple things like busyness. We're just too busy. And we put everything ahead of Him at times. Oh yeah, we put, I mean, we make excuses. There's not a place in eternity where there's one person who's taken their last breath at any time. There's not one person who doesn't wish they prayed more, understood the vision of God more went and really did the will of God and humble their self more. There's not one person there because there's no do-overs to go back and do what we didn't do the first time. The only opportunity, the Bible says it appointed unto man once to die, and then there's absolutely a judgment. I mean, this is serious. Now it's not just a game. When I started this service, everybody clapped for me, but now there's not as much clapping because this is not a game. This is the truth of the Word of God, and I will not only spend eternity somewhere, my children will. That means Malachi, all five of my children are going to spend eternity somewhere, and somewhere along the way God laid enough weight on a father to say I want you to bow to my word put together what can't be made right I would be no different than the adulterers of the world the thieves and the otherwise without the work of Jesus Christ my Lord and today I'm not just an example but a preacher of the truth and it needs to be said to a generation where they try to change the preacher They're changing the truth of God into a lie homosexuality is absolutely wrong listen abortion is murder And divorce, God hates it in Malachi. We need to repent of it.
0: Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, we would love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 620-848-3347. Or you may write to us at Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. We're also on Facebook and online at rivertonfbc.com. The church is located just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop and one block west on Bluebird Lane or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block east also on Bluebird Lane. Our worship services are Sunday mornings at 1045 and Wednesday nights at 7. We also have small group Bible studies available for children, youth, and adults. On behalf of Brother Aaron Williams and the entire congregation at FBCR, this is Downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.